Sideboob Cinema is a retrospective movie show for adults only. Educational, satirical, transgressive. It's just entertainment and we're not out to offend, but at the end of the day, Frank Zappa said it best. You either get it or you don't. Roll the tape. blokes who like to knock back a few tinnies and have a punt on the pokies, and all those sheerlers who like a tipple and who fancy their chances at the daily double, this is Sideboob Cinema, your podcast within a podcast. My name is Ricky Allpike, and joining me are my fellow Aussies, AJ and Jonathan Astro. Welcome to 2023. AJ, how's your day been so far? <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> well, you know, just knocking them back, sucking down on some darts, just, just keeping it real, <laughs> playing some two-up. <laughs> Fucking two Jono. <laughs> Jono, mate. Jono. Jono, how are you? Yes, yes. Well, I'm good. Um, yes. Uh, that was a great intro, Ricky. It was. Uh, it, it, it was a celebration of this, this great culture that we have here in Australia, which is why we're doing... Uh, you know, well, well, this is what we do every January. Uh, in lead up to um, Invasion Day... Uh, we like to, uh, you know, explore the Australian culture through film, uh, and that's why we are doing Wake and Fright this week, 1971. Ted Koscheff directs. I mean, should I should probably say, welcome back to Cyberb Cinema. Woohoo! You know? yeah, I mean, it's all. If you missed Keeper or Creeper, if you missed the Boobometer, <laughs> then don't. We're back, baby. We're back. We're back, baby. I'm back. Baby! Bigger than ever. They couldn't stop us. Can't stop, <laughs> won't stop. Don't right. forget the Me Too meter. That's back to. Well, the Me Too meter is probably our, our signature feature. You I'd know. say so. Um, you know, we're, 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 we're the only ones who care about Me Too now, by the way. <laughs> Everyone else has dropped the ball. Like, I mean, they don't care. They've all moved on. And I'm like, no, believe all women and trans women. So, But everyone's like... No, they're believing Marilyn Manson. <laughs> they, they're like, I really like the dog show. <laughs> I don't care about Amber Heard or whoever else. Anyway, all right, Wake and Fright. Now, is this the first time everyone's seen this movie? Yes. I have seen this movie at the cinema when it was re-released uh, at the Perth Film Festival, otherwise known as Revelate, I believe. Ooh. Or is it Revelation? The Revelation. Revelation. Film Festival. Yes. Revelate oh, is a, a, a small... Festival attached to it. Ah, yes. <laughs> what a boring sentence. Yes. Uh, anyway, Revelation Film Festival, Wake and Fright is what you saw on the big screen. Yes, and then I've, I've seen it a couple, couple of times. I, I own it on DVD, so I've seen it a few times. All right. You've laid down your bona fides. Uh, <laughs> you're all over it. Uh, yes, I'm similar. I've followed 2009-ish was when it, it was refound, rediscovered. Uh, after after mm. it had been lost for 40 years and it was huge it was huge i think you know we, we you would have seen a little bit of it in not quite hollywood they show a little bit of it in not quite yeah, hollywood so. and the people include it as an exploitation this is not an exploitation movie no it's not that's a really stupid that's such the, a marketing the producers mm. wanted it to be a, a b grade sort of schlock film 
Yeah, right. But but, but Ted Kotcheff had he had different ideas. So wow. And he clashed. Apparently, he clashed with the producer about this that. This would have been a terrible B Ooh. B grade movie. Mm. This is. I, I'm go, I got to go big. I got to go big. I mean, well, actually, I should probably, t- you know, just be be honest, AJ, about what you f- felt about and everything. But I got to say, I think this is the greatest Australian film ever made. Boom. Apologies to Chopper and Snowtown, but this is <laughs> this is uh, the greatest Australian film ever made. This it looks and sounds amazing. The restoration mm. is spectacular. It looks like it came out yesterday. Uh, great stories about how they found it and re- restored it, which maybe we can get into. But this movie, I, ju- I just think my first impression is is that this is this is an astounding movie. But feel free to disagree. What, what I totally think? agree. I think it's a masterpiece, and oh. and I think it's an important film and an important makes an important uh, commentary on on you know certain mm. aspects of of uh, Australian life and Australia. the Australian psyche. You know, Australia in general. Yeah. Yes. Especially at that time. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I, you know, I've got a few things to say about this maybe after the synopsis, but you know, I still feel the undercurrent of a lot of of the drink, yeah. drinking culture and and some of the other stuff like still there. I think. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, now after we've just called it um, a masterpiece, you know, AJ. I mean, you can you can say say whatever you like. <laughs> so now go and go. <laughs> Very well done. Yeah, I was very disturbed. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I mean, was it, it fucked me up. Was it better than Felicity, or was that a better movie? I don't even know anymore. Alvin Purple. Alvin yeah, Purple. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, it was fucked up. It was good. New to the Yabba. New to the Yabba. All the little devils are proud of hell. Do you mean you don't think the Yabba is the greatest little place on earth? Could be worse. How? Supply of beer could run out. Let's get before we get into the into the particulars. Let's see if I can I can knock off this synopsis. So the film opens in the deep outback town of Tabunda. Uh, a schoolhouse sits by some railway tracks in the middle of nowhere. John Grant, played by Gary Bond, uh, is a young school teacher. He dismisses his class and gets ready to take a vacation over the summer break. Takes a train a train to the uh, town of Abundanyaba with the view of catching a flight to Sydney the following morning. So he's at a loose end. Grant uh, pops into the local watering hole to have a cold beer. There he finds a generous drinking partner called Jock Crawford. Chips Rafferty is the actor's name, who is also the local constable. After a few rounds, Jock takes Grant to, to get a steak and then he takes him to the local two-up arena uh, before saying his farewells. So two-up, for anyone listening, is is a type of gambling using utilising two coins 
Okay. Uh, Grant meets a serious alcoholic, a former doctor called Doc Tyden, played by uh, the great Donald Pleasance, and learns that the odds are pretty good for two up that night. So Grant gives the game a go and wins big, okay? Around 400 bucks, probably the most he's ever had in his life. He hates his job as a school teacher, and if he only had a little more, he could get out altogether. So he heads back to the two up circle, and you guessed it, he loses all of his cash. Uh, he's now trapped in the Yabba. Uh, with no job for the holidays and by chance he hooks up with a kindly bloke called Tim Hines who welcomes him into his home while he figures out what to do next. Grant meets Tim's bored and horny daughter Jeanette <laughs> and Horn dog. <laughs> Horn dog and Tim's rowdy mates Dick played by Jack Thompson and Joe. After more boozing Grant connects with Jeanette and admits that he'd really like to go to London to escape to London I think is more what he's saying uh, they go for a midnight bushwalk and try to have sex, but Grant gets sick and throws up uh, everywhere, somewhat killing the mood. They return to find the doc- that Doc Tyden has joined the party, and where where um, Grant uh, subsequently drinks until he passes out. Waking up the next morning in Doc Tyden's shack, Doc offers his hospitality, and we also find out that he's got a little thing going on with Jeanette as well. So that's nice. Uh, Dick and Tim, the uh, the burly Aussies, roll up and take Grant and Doc on a raucous roo hunt before stopping in for a few drinks uh, at a watering hole. They continue their roo shooting into the night, which culminates in Grant being dead into brutally stabbing a, a, a winged kangaroo, a wounded kangaroo. After more drinks, Doc and Grant retire to his shack and finish the party together. In bed. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Buggery, AJ. If you catch my drift. Straight up. If you catch my drift. I don't want to be uh, coarse. Uh, anyway, at least it's implied uh, that's what went on. Grant bolts the scene and determined to get out of town, he manages to score a lift with a trucker to the city. Uh, when he emerges from the rear compartment, he discovers that he's been taken back to the city of uh, Bundanyamba. Uh, Nightmarish. <laughs> and at his wit's end, he seeks out Doc Tyden at his shack to shoot the man down. Uh, but he ends up turning the gun on himself instead and Grant wakes up in hospital and after a, a, his recovery, he's driven to the train station by Doc Tyden and then returns to Tibunda, ready to start a new term as if nothing ever happened. Oh. Wake in front. <laughs> okay. This this is a true horror film. Like This is a horror film for, ad- for adults, I think. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. It's, um, yeah, it, uh, look... Jesus, I don't, I don't know where to start. Like it's 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 terrifying. Everything about it is terrifying. The people are mm. terrifying. The locations yeah. terrifying. Uh, yeah, Even the laughing. The laughing. Yeah, maniacal laughing. <laughs> yeah. Crowds are scary in this movie. You know. Mm. Um, there's the bizarre people everywhere. Even even little touches like which stick stick in your mind. So there's in the busy pub. Uh, a red light comes on and then everyone goes completely silent and then stands up and mm. has to look at a lest we forget, you know, mural on the wall and do a kind of uh, Anzac uh, memorial service, brief, mm. brief one. Even that is frightening. Get up, get up. Ladies and gentlemen, let us pay a tribute to our fallen comrades. They shall grow not old, as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. 
At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. We will remember them. Lest we forget. Lest we forget. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. You, you, know, you know that still happens. It does. Mm. it does. Arsene it does. At 6 o'clock, 6 yeah. p.m. though. Yeah. It felt like it was very late. It was, yeah, the middle of the night. Yeah, much. every yeah. every RSL, from from what I've read, mm. every RSL club still does that. Mm. I'm embarrassed. Didn't know. Wow. Um, <laughs> but the red light is. But the whole thing is is weird and bizarre and creepy. Like yes. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe let's talk about where it's shot. It's shot in Broken Hill, which is an industrial mining town of thirty thousand people. It's located in the desert, a thousand kilometers from Sydney. Uh, and in 1970, when the film was shot, men outnumbered women three to one. So that's Three sort of one. some context there. Um, it looks it looks nightmarish. I mean, I've never been to Broken Hill. It could be a lovely place, mm. but not in this film. No. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe the maybe something we could talk about is, you know, all three of us have grown up in, we're not from downtown Sydney. So, I mean, <laughs> when, you, when you guys watch this movie, how does it wash with your personal view or your personal experience of, of Australia? Well, it's it's interesting because you you have these two cherished myths, Australian myths, that of like mateship, and the beauty and majesty of the Australian bush, and I think to though this sort of goes in opposition to that, it paints a different light mm. on that, you know. And I think the mateship is sinister, and there's definitely no well, there is some beauty out there in a strange way, but only near the only in the coast though. Yeah, we all live on the coast. Exactly, but if you if you go out to the outback as a tourist, I'm sure you have a different experience. But if, if you, you step, have to live there, if you step out, flies, if, sweat. There you go. But if you step out of a bus, <laughs> air conditioned bus, and you go, oh, that's great, and then you get back in the bus, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. But what if you live out in a shack with Doc oh. Titan and oh. he's cooking up roux and yeah. <laughs> you know wearing no pants and a singlet? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's pretty real. Oh, yes. But the, like the buzzing of the flies and just the sweat, it was amazing. But it was so gross. Well, look, I oh. just, it just ca- it just captures so much of and being hungover. Yeah, in the heat, drinking in the heat oh, as well. Like, like yeah. this is it's it's too close to home. The whole movie is too close to home. Like you know, so all of those little uh, textural experiences you just mentioned that, like boiling hot. Uh, mm. Particularly, yeah, coming from WA, like boiling hot, flies everywhere, uh, and you know, just scrub outside, like so hot that you can't really move outside. You've got to just stay in the yep. shade, and and then yeah, drinking and smoking as well. I remember, you know, th- mm. th- that's as a former smoker. Uh, I remember, yeah, you'd go to the even go to the big day out or something. You'd just be smoking all day and drinking and tr- drinking, you know, twoies. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever, and, and just that, that you know, it wearing off, and I don't know. Oh, it's, it's, you know but that's a lot way of life in this movie <laughs> mm. for all of yeah. these guys. Yeah. yeah, I think it really highlights the divide between elite cosmopolitan city Australians and those that live rurally, you know, which, mm. which, which still exists. And, you know, Grant, he, I mean, he's the elite. He's the guy from Sydney who, who desperately wants to escape overseas, and, you know, he's well-read, and... He's into literature and... He yeah, wants to be an artist, I think, because he's got pic- you know, he does, pictures yeah. he's drawn on the wall. Mm. Yep. That, this is my first question. So Gary Bond, the actor, he's English th- through and through. Born in England, died in England. So 
Are we reasonably meant to think that he is an Australian in this movie, albeit from the city? Is the is because in the novel, the character is Australian, like yep. straight up. Ah, oh. do you know what I mean? I thought he was English. Oh, really? Well, so did I until this recently. Does it matter? I mean, you could read it both ways. You could. Um, in the movie, he says, uh, "I want to go to London." He doesn't see. I don't. Uh, he doesn't say. I need to get uh, back to London. Yeah. Right. Do you know what I yeah. mean? So there's there's a hint that you know he's just passing as a, as a as a posh Australian, I think. But but a lot of people of of that generation of our parents' generation and and earlier would talk about going home to England, even mm. though they were born in mm. Australia and were Australians. They 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 have this, you know, a lot of them had this this strange sense that 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 uh, the UK or, or England was home mm. and that one day they would go there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I honestly thought, because the way he's, his accent is so... Yeah. But then again, I think it's it's good because it needs to be extreme. It needs to be pronounced because an overseas yeah. audience that, you know, all the all the people from overseas that I know can't tell how bogan we are. Do you know what I mean? Like they don't... They, they could see... Someone from Frankston, someone from the city, someone from where you know Broad Meadows, and someone from Turak, and you know maybe some clothes might give it away, but the way they speak is it wouldn't really Mm-mm. stick out. You know what I mean? So mm. they've really gone for it here, and they've gone for someone who, I mean, this guy does not—he does look like Peter O'Toole, and he does not look like he belongs in this landscape. No, yeah, at all. I think that's the point. Yes, the fish yeah. out of water thing, but it's yeah. just interesting because, you know. Um, they 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 stop short of making him English. They're like, oh, you know, he's very much just, he's from Sydney, but he just sounds. Yeah. And maybe back then, I mean, mm. it was fifty fucking years ago. Yeah, which is crazy. People's accents, God knows what they were. <laughs> I don't mm. know. Well, people in the US, like when I was traveling through the US, people people thought I was English. Yeah, you know, people thought I was mm. from from England. You know, they they couldn't pick the Australian accent. Maybe it's not as broad as 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 what what you see in in a lot of sort of Australian cinema that's that's broadcast overseas. But you know, I mean, fuck, Americans don't know anything. It's our audience hey. talking about there, hey? Yep. So that was that's we've cleared that one up. That's good. Secondly, AJ, <laughs> um, Jeanette looks forty. So <laughs> I didn't know she was Tim Hines's daughter. I thought it was his wife. <laughs> yeah, I was for a very long time. Uh, yeah. Mm, I can I can see that. I've only put it together. I think people it. were rougher back then, though. She's, the dead eyes. But she's, but she's meant to be. We've talked about this over and over again. She's meant to be a a bright young thing. Do you know what I mean? Like who's mm. sort of been crushed by the by the yabber or whatever. But she's meant to be nineteen or something. You know it. You know she's meant to be nineteen. No, but yeah, this, this is what's amazing about it, though. It's like even the hot chick is disgusting. You know. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. She what about the receptionist? And... The reception. I could relate to the receptionist. <laughs> the receptionist's great. She's got sores on her face. Yeah. And it's just dabbing just... water all over her. Yeah, in front of the fan. It's so hot. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Your room for John Grant. I made a booking by letter. Oh, I'm only staying the night. I'm flying to Sydney in the morning. You have to pay now. We can manage that. It'll be four dollars. There's one dollar deposit on the keys. You'll get that back when you bring the keys back. 
Well, you know, before we before we slag off Jeanette any further, um, Jeanette at that time was married to director Ted Kotcheff. Really? Oh, yes. nepotism is alive mm. and well. in, <laughs> even in the seventies. In the Yabba. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Yabba! It's shit that they called it out back in the states. Pretty typical, though, isn't it? Like you know, I mean, yeah. This so this movie was never going to be. A hit though I mean It's too On the knuckle Like Like If you were They were a lot more Rough and ready But this is my dad's generation They would have been A lot more rough and ready In 1971 mm. um, I mean the books From 1961 Yeah Oh Think about that That's So yeah. then Like Because I, I I gave the book A, 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 a listen And um, he, Knowing that it's From 1961 it's amazing how, mo- I mean, we always say this about anything that came out a while ago, but it's so modern, you know, like you listen to it and you go, oh, wow, this is just so modern and the thoughts are so modern. And But to think that it was it was only a few, mi- few minutes ago, it was 1959. It was That's the, crazy. And to, to be, you know, dealing with these themes, you just mm. don't think about it, you know. Yeah. Well, I tried to make it uh, a few years earlier, actually. Uh, I think Dirk Beauregard was going to star in it. Oh yes, and and, and he mm-hmm. was actually interested in adapting it for the screen, but it didn't work out. So from the Night Porter, from the Night Porter, oh, yeah. Dirk Bogard, yeah, Dirk Bogard, mm. he would have been good too, I guess. Yeah. But he's, he would have been too old, I think, at that point. Maybe getting there. Well, maybe he wanted to play Doc. Yeah, maybe. Oh. I want to play Mister Disgusto. <laughs> Actually, we've got to give it up. Give it up for the screenwriter, by the way. Um, What's his name? Evan. So the book is uh, written by uh, Kenneth Cook, and the screenplay is by Evan Jones. Got to give it up to Evan because the screenplay, he's added some stuff that's good. So um, we don't meet in the book. We don't meet Doc until he wakes up in his house. Whereas in this, in the movie, we, we he's at the two up arena mm. and he comes to the party uh and does some mm. party tricks so mm. it's it's quite clever they seed him in and this is the best bit the um so grant when he gets driven crazy at the end uh, he goes to kind of does a taxi driver where he goes to kill doc and then kills himself mm. instead you know what i mean or tries to kill himself it's a bit like in Taxi Driver where he wants to kill um, Palantine and then, you know, ends up killing all the pimps and stuff. So it, that's not in the book. In the book, oh. he straight up kills himself. That is brilliant. That's a brilliant bit of business, whether it was uh, Evan mm. Jones or Ted Koch, whoever came up with that is... Mm. That's, that's magnificent. yourself under the table after a little episode with the Jeanette. Get out. Don't get upset. We've all had our little episodes with Jeanette. What a dog. Gallicurchy. 
water, please. Yeah, but water's only for washing. Come on, check it out. A bit flat. Does he kill himself in the book? No, same ending. Same ending. They go same for that ending. circular okay. thing, you know. But, yeah. but Jeanette is a nurse at the at the hospital. Oh, yeah, okay. So little things like that. But um, but I think it makes it more complex that he goes to kill Doc, and then he falls further in despair because Doc's not mm. there, and then he kills himself. Well, tries absolutely. To I think. I mean, that's just a, it's 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 outstanding development. You just go, wow, yes. And mm. I think even the author would have to agree. To, he'd be like, it'd be one of those changes the author, I'm sure, would have gone, oh, geez, why didn't I think of that? You know, mm. of course. Well, I did mention at the top of the podcast that I think this, this film is still really relevant and I see kind of un- undercurrents of, of, of what they're saying, what they're commenting on still existing. Like, you know, the brash, aggressive friendliness of some, of some Aussies. You know? <laughs> How you doing, mate? How you doing, mate? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a form of peer pressure, like a way to get you to conform or something, you know. And and I found this recently. Like I was in I was in Perth recently for uh, catching up with family, or whatever. But I, I went to a wedding and I caught up with with an old friend, and you know he was pressuring me to get on the piss and to get smashed, like slightly aggressively. <laughs> you mad bastard. You know? <laughs> and that stuff still exists. How'd you, you be know? a mad bastard? <laughs> New to the other. New to the yabba. Like the old place? No, I think it's bloody awful. You don't like the yabba? No. Will you have a drink? No, I'm toying with this one, thanks. Well, drink it down or buy another. Look, I'm flat broke and I can't afford to drink. What's that going to do with that man? I said I'd buy you a drink. You don't have to buy me one. Now drink it down. Excuse me, please. Hey, fella, come and have a beer with us. Uh, uh. Come on, come and have a beer. I think so, that. Come and have a drink, mate. No, thanks. Come and have a drink. No, just not. Only take about a minute. It. Come on, come and have a drink. Look, mate, I've given up drinking for a while. What's wrong with you, you bastard? Why'd you come and drink with me? I just brought you 50 miles of eat and dust and you won't drink with me. Look, What's wrong with you? What's the matter with you people, huh? You sponge on you. Burn your house down, murder your wife, rape your child, that's all right. Not have a drink with you, not have a flaming bloody drink with you. That's a criminal offence. That's the end of the bloody world. You're mad, you bastard. Is, is that aggressive want, or, or perhaps it's a need, of some Australians to have everyone in close proximity drinking? Is that is that a u- uniquely Australian thing? You know, because I, I don't really drink anymore, but, you know, is that is that something that happens overseas? Like, I can't imagine the French, like... Well, that was my know. point. When, when I went on my world trip just prior to COVID, I was embarrassed at how... For our country in that regard. So, in Portugal, you'd, go, you'd just go you know to some coastal area and um there'd be you know amazing architecture and whatever and it's sun's going down and they've got like a little cart there wine with a view and you can just have a wine in glass 
in in a glass and and walk and <laughs> and it's not like it's not caged in it's not like a Sunday session <laughs> where they cage. it's just you walk along yes. and then you, you bring you bring the glass back do you know what I mean well explain that to our international audience because well, it's a different deal in well Australia. in Australia um in particularly in Western Australia you'd be there's a lot of glassings so it would be uh, you, you people get drunk and then they use the glass to attack someone that would be mm. pretty common uh, and then but the idea of of their but alcohol is really regulated in Australia so because we just we have no restraints so there's all those there's the, there's sort of the official rules which have been changed over time which is like yeah when pubs close and they're not open these times and not open those times when bottle shops close all of that stuff but then there's the social etiquette of oh you can't drink can't drink before 11 can't drink before 11 and then but unless you're at an airport you go to an airport you you can drink all rules are off. off. you go to an airport you can drink yeah. at nine and you go and that because that and that to me reveals the, the the what's really going on in this country when you go to an airport and you go geez nine o'clock that guy's got a that guy's got a pint yeah. and, and he's not on a connecting flight like he's kind of, that's his, his first stop he's on his way to bali and he's like oh fuck it. like he just couldn't wait he's like everyone's waiting for an excuse you know well some people yeah. i guess mm. are getting bullied but that's just one country other country well, the only other one i'll mention is is japan where you go to the baseball and then there are chicks walking around so here you go to you go to sport and it's mid-strength only uh, beer because you know anything more plastic. plastic and you've got to and they sort of make the journey of getting it they build that in as an as a natural limiter so because it's you got to go and get it and it takes a long time and you can't carry much in Japan, chicks walk around with a giant keg on their back, and they're hot, by the way. Did I mention that? They're hot. <laughs> so they're hot. How, he- how heavy is a keg? Well, they're, they're sort of a half keg or something, but they're on their back, right. and they've, they've got like a holster with a gun-like thing, and they come around to your seat and fill up your beer <laughs> in your hand um, because there's no problem We're missing there. missing out. There's no problem there, uh, for, partly because in Asian countries they've got um, – what's called Asian flush, which is, that means they can't, it's a lot of Asian people. I've got that. Do you have that? It's where you drink and your face yeah. goes red and you, and yeah, it's, a, bright it's red a real on thing. On the first drink. And you, yeah, and you really? sort of feel not great. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's embarrassing. There's a lot of people who are sort of allergic <laughs> to it. So anyway, just those are my examples, Ricky, of couple, just a couple of countries where they don't got a problem like we do and, and they yeah. don't understand oh. it. Like that, like you just go, Oh, in my country, you've got to drink, like and yeah, until you it pass out, until you got to force everyone to drink around you, you know. Even the most upstanding people you know are doing this. They're going like, you know, oh come on, let's have a drink. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Well, you see that in the film. Like as soon as Grant like gets to this big like beer hall, watering hole, and and he meets Chips Rafferty, and mm. they have a drink. Like everyone's everyone finishes their drink really quickly except for him. Oh, just and then they're all it. they're all waiting. And staring at him until he he skulls his drink, yeah. so that they can go and get another one. And it's all know. and the round anxiety. So it's whose round is it? Mm. Yes, you yeah. know, like because you you've yeah. got to buy. And I remember when you know being a drinker, and that was always a, a big anxiety because sometimes you'd be out with a bunch of fucking people, and you'd go, "This round is going to cost a lot of money." <laughs> You know? yes. Yeah, yeah, and and, I'm, and right. I don't like some of these people. Yes. And or, or or this is the other thing that happens. Like you're with a lot of people, and 
you know, you, you have four or five beers before it gets to your round and you've already tapped mm. out. You're like, I don't want to drink anymore. But then you have to keep yeah. drinking because it's your, ass. it's your round. So you have to buy <laughs> another one, you know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well. <laughs> so that's, I mean, I love all of that in, in the film. Is is really, really good. We sound straight edge though. People will be like, oh, you straight edge losers. Like, just, just have, have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> have a drink, yeah. Have a drink. But, but I think the other thing that's that's not, uh, not it, it's highlighted in the film, but it's not talked about as much as the alcohol, and that's the gambling, because um, according to a report published by the Economist, Australians gamble more and lose more than any other nation. Jesus, yeah, like we we love to have a pun on the horses. We love the pokies. Mm. We love gambling. We love going to the casino. You can actually play this dumb two-up game at the casino. <laughs> mm. But we can gamble on anything. You can gamble yes. on the Bachelor. Oh wow! Right. Like. You can gamble on anything. Yeah. And especially with the apps, it makes it so much easier. The apps are just flogged to us all the time on every ad. I'm always disgusted to see big guys like Shaquille O'Neal or uh, Samuel L. Jackson come to Australia and promote these betting apps. I'm like, do these guys, you know, do they have no ethics or morals? Like, you've made a lot of money. Do you need to be spruiking a gambling thing? Like, particularly to a nation of problem gamblers, you know? Mm. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I wonder if they know how bad it is because Shaq's a pretty stand-up guy. Yeah, really. So where does love charity? Think himself, about it. So. It's it's such a problem that you know, and we're going to age ourselves now. But it's such a it's such a problem that a hit song was uh, blow up the pokies. <laughs> <laughs> which is about like we were all bopping along to this song which made, I mean, it's a bit of a bummer but the, the idea is it was like yeah the pokies are bad so while other people in the, around the world are uh, singing like I'm spinning around and it's like buns just buns 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 we're going blow up the pokies and take them away <laughs> Do Perth don't have pokies, do they? No, no, they don't. don't. That's fucking insane. I just found that out. That's crazy. My old man was like, he was pushing the pokies for ages. He's he's like, he was like, oh, if we only, you know, because he's a sports club guy. So he's like, if we had pokies, you know, like the club would be doing much better, and like you know, we could we could outfit. We gave new uniforms and outfit this and do that. Off off the back of like. You know, he was a realist. Old ladies. He was a realist. That's right. Yeah, old ladies. <laughs> He'd be like, well, you know, we, we could offer a cut price meal and whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah, they can get free tea and coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hell. That shows how rich that part of the country is, though, that they don't need the pokies. No, they don't. <laughs> they don't. But but you do see see the difference. Like when you go to like like a big pub here that has pokies, like everything's brand new, everything's yeah. shiny and, and squeaky clean. Everything's changed, yeah, every yeah. every couple of years. That's right, yeah, because the pokies finances that, yeah. Yeah, 100%, yeah. So Crown doesn't have any pokies. No, but the, it's a casino. No, the casino, the casino does, does. But, but oh, the okay. pubs don't have it. And pubs and stuff. Right, okay. Like, whereas yeah. In, yeah, okay. Everywhere else, that's the deal. Uh, in Vegas, there's slot machines in the airport. Wow. When you get you get off and there's a little a tiny little little section 
where you can go and you know just get your get your slot you on. Just, so people cannot <laughs> wait. They cannot wait no. to get to a casino, so they'll do it there. I just think that, again, like that. maybe this feeds into the film as well. Yeah, gambling is fucking depressing, and and, and he, the fact that this guy loses all his money in the movie is just to yeah. me. I mean, what a fucking idiot. You know, you're just like... I have one dollar on you. Oh, he's just... Well, that's one of my favourite scenes. Like, uh, there's a really effective transition when Grant loses all his money in the game and the film cuts from his shattered face to him asleep naked in his filthy hotel room. Mm. And, it, and it works two ways because it shows, you know, that Australia is fucking hot and sometimes you have to sleep naked. Uh, and, of course, air conditioning in the 1970s is not what it is today. Uh, but it's also this visual pun saying that he lost his shirt, you know, mm. so meaning that he lost all his money. Which that is cut also great, you're talking you know? about, because the sound goes away as well. Yeah. Mm. Throw up the coins, sound goes, he watches, and we see his face change, and then the cut happens. That's better than every Australian movie in the last 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> that one cut is better than the whole yes. deal. I'd never seen anything like that. that. Everyone would talk you out of that cut. Everyone. But but what what else is great is is it, it lets your imagination fill in what happens between the time he loses all his cash and he wakes up in the morning. Like, what the fuck? Like, he would have been thrashing around. He would have been throwing up. He would have been whatever. Mm. Like, just like in fits of anxiety. Like, mm. and, and we have to fill that shit in. But this movie, you know? that you just said why this movie is so great. This movie has limited explanation. It's like a nightmare or a dream. It's yeah. dreamlike. So it relies on images and telling us, or sorry, showing us, not telling us. We don't get a lot of explanation. Yeah, there's some questions about, oh, is he, is he English or whatever, but, but, but who cares? It's like, that's minor. There's so many times where we are just, you know, like even that, even the less we forget the Anzac bit, it's not like, I mean, it's not like there's a big explanation where the guy goes, oh, every, no. every day we do this, uh, you know, to honour the soldiers or whatever, and you go, <laughs> fuck, what, shut up, yeah. shut yeah. up, you know? Yeah, it's not made in 2023. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but, but again, it, it highlights Grant's fish out of water because he's sitting down, he mm. doesn't realise he has to stand up yes. and it's stand up, thing yeah. and, you know, mm. and, and he just, he looks, he looks really out of place again. You know, but me. it's just the dread. You know that you, he's going to lose the money. Yes. You, you're dreading it. You know that that's exactly what's going to happen. Absolutely. And you're just waiting, waiting. Oh, yep. it's awful. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> but amazing. Yeah. Dreadful stuff. So, Kangaroo Hunt. What did you think Jesus. of that? <laughs> so, for everyone listening, there's a, there's a sort of a climactic sequence involving the killing of, Jesus, maybe 30 kangaroos feels like mm. you know yeah a lot a lot and um it's full on yeah look i yeah. mean you know aj and and i are real just total punk bitches when it comes to animals <laughs> i think it's fair to say i mean i'm, I'm not is. saying it's not like ricky's a abattoir worker <laughs> but we are extraordinarily yeah. sensitive to animal stuff <laughs> but even so i mean i mean aj what did you think what did you make of it with all that in mind oh it was, it, but even that i was um feeling sick even with the car mm. when he's driving like maniac yes. and he's just the building the building the building yeah it makes yep. me feel quite nauseous <laughs> yes let alone all the mayhem. yeah all the killing and then you're just seeing shots of just dead kangaroos yeah 
Doc eats him. Breaking to the best part of the route. Haven't you ever tried them? No. Better than oysters. Put lead in your pen. Yeah, well, for me, it was the up-close stuff. So it's when it's when the big guy, I forget his name, um, he goes and and he basically fights one of the one of the wounded kangaroos and sort of wrestles with him and then ends up like sitting his throat and then when uh, Grant has to he's sort of egged on and mm. he wants to try it as well and then he has to sort of he basically stabs this kangaroo and but it's not uh, it's it's sort of awkward and brutal and it's not uh, clean no no you know, it's like he's it's the way you would kill a human in like you know sort of a fit. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. In in Brentwood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, OJ Styles. Well, it's uh, yeah. No, look, I I thought that the sequence was look. Uh, it's really tough to watch, and yeah, I was like, mm. I was a mess during it. I was just, I just can't stand animals getting getting killed like that. And and you know, I've heard, but I'm not, I'm not foolish. You know, I know, I know how the world works. But I'm interested because they've got a. Uh, a card at the end that that says that the RSPCA I think were involved and or it was a real roo shoot and they just sort of attended yeah. uh, and whatever and look I think that's fair enough. Um, I'm interested at, at the general outrage, particularly in 1971, uh, because I mean uh, John Waters said this about you know a, a rather famous uh, chicken that's killed in um, in Pink Flamingos, and he goes I don't see what the big deal is. He goes like. You know, I don't think that chicken uh, landed on my plate from a heart attack, so I don't understand what the, what the what the problem is here. It had a better life than most. You know what I mean? So, uh, I think that's a good point. Like, you know, I'm I'm not doing that. You know, there's lots of stuff I could say that that obviously leans towards my point of view on this, but but I'm just fascinated at at what where because to me. If you are, I mean, look, maybe the main thing people say is, oh, they're pests or whatever. So I guess that's what they say. Do they? Do they say that? Well, it depends. It's yeah. interesting because the title, the, yeah, the title card says they were endangered. And we, mm. we, we know now in 2023 that they are a, a pest in some, some places and the government pays shooters to go out and kill them. So. Sure. Yeah. But, but, but just the general outrage, I'm like, well, you know. I mean, what's the difference? Like, if they get, I mean, if they get shot or if they get like one of those no country for old men things in their head, I mean, what's the oh, difference? Yeah. Like, I mean, what's the difference? I mean, it's all fucked. Mm. Well, one of the things that we're not taking into account is that there was a very famous TV kangaroo that was at the height of its fame oh, yes. during this time. <laughs> and that is Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. <laughs> Skippy, Skippy. Yeah. So that, that, you know, that sort of played into it as well, I think. But maybe that's why this movie's a masterpiece, because like El Topo and like some other real truly great movies, it just it it has full commitment, it goes the distance, and it's got stuff in it that, yeah, it doesn't matter whether you could do it now or not. It was the times it was. And it incorporates it into the film to create sort of a um unrepeatable uh masterpiece in that you just go, you know, take out that sequence in the movie would mm, be lesser. I was going to say that. Yeah, you know? definitely. His experience. Yeah. You, you would have to do it in CG today. And uh, I don't know if you guys have seen Wolf Creek 2. Yeah. There's there's a terrible, like, CG kangaroo thing where, where Mick... Oh, the, my the, God, yes. He's driving a truck and he, he runs over a whole bunch of kangaroos and it just looks so fake. Oh, yes. Mm. Silly. Silly stuff. 
Yeah. <laughs> What's the matter, TJ? You're scared. It's only a baby. It's badly wounded. <laughs> Have a go, you mug. <laughs> Come on, Johnny! Come on, Johnny! Go, Johnny! <laughs> He's trying to dance with it! <laughs> <laughs> Goodness me, is it that time again, AJ? Uh, oh. I think it might be time for Keeper or Creeper. Keepers, Creepers, where'd you get those Creepers? Keepers, Creepers, where'd you get those eyes? It's a couple for you tonight. Let's get into it nice and quick. Uh, Gary Bond as John Grant. So, school teacher, you know, educated man. Uh Ambition, dreams. I mean, you know, the modern equivalent. He's sort of interested in becoming an, an artist. The modern equivalent, I guess, beat maker or something. You know, so someone <laughs> been there, done that. <laughs> done that. <laughs> so I'm just saying, you know, you, you know what he's about. You know, he's you know he's jam. He's he's sort of working for the man at the moment. He's out in the country, having to you know do his his service out there. In terms of look, sort of a Peter O'Toole look. Um. I don't know what you think of that. Blonde hair, you know, very yeah. very soft features. Yeah, he is. He's not full of femme, but yeah, he's got a, nice eyes. A little bit. So so there's a bit a of that. A little bit. Now, we did get a little peek at um, sausage. So <laughs> We did. We, we did, yeah. So, again, <laughs> I'm not the best judge of, of sort of incidental sausage. <laughs> I feel like, you know, we don't know what's going on later. So, all, all I mean, you, you, you all seeing it as we saw it can tell you is that it's not a micro dick. No. Do you know what I mean? Because anything could happen later. I'm just saying that it's just <laughs> when you see that when you when you go, oh, there it is. Oh God, that, he doesn't have a baby dick. You know what I mean? Like, because that so you can tick that off. Which, is always, which I must say, as a female, there is the, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's on the cards, yeah. right? It's on the cards Definitely. where you go, this guy's great, he's, it's awesome, he's, he's you know, really cool. And then you go home and... But he's not packing. Baby oh. dick. So, just, <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know where I was going with that. So, just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, that's John Grant. Uh, yeah, we don't, know, we don't know a whole hell of a lot about him. Um, oh, there's a, there's a girl called Robin that he's into, but, you know, I think she's pretty much off the scene. I mean, how did you even contact people mm. back then? Do you know what That's I mean? Right. So she's some surfer chick. Don't worry about her. Mm. Now, uh, put him in the back of your mind for a second. Next up, okay. we have Donald Pleasance as Clarence F. Doc Tyden. Now, <laughs> mm, every, dream boat. every woman <laughs> wants a doctor, right? <laughs> yeah. cool. Well, I've got a real peach for you, AJ, I tell you. So <laughs> a medical man, educated, quotes philosophy. So 
That's true. a bit of culture. I'm mainly like creepy philosophy though, like at the wrong time, <laughs> but about civilization <laughs> falling apart and whatever. But so, you know, a bit of culture if that's your thing. Full disclosure, he's got no hair. So no. horseshoe, male pattern baldness, like, <laughs> you know, Prince William style. Mm. But that's that mm. kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> sort of interesting body. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, whereas John Grant, our school teacher, he's, you know, quite athletic, lean. In the doc is sort of skinny fat. Yeah. yeah. Do you he's know? He's like a slug with legs. Yeah, he looks he like is. he's got that yellow bastard look from Sin City, oh. you know, a little bit. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, you know, but anyway, he's more of a cerebral sort of guy. Now, uh, likes drink, but who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> in this film, yes. Yeah. His character, uh, as he says, always up for a party trick, drinking in a handstand, two up, the embrace of another man, whatever. <laughs> he's up for it all. Whatever is what I'm saying. And the open relationship. And yeah, yeah he's sort true. of, you know, uh, that actually that he's, what do we say? Polyamorous. So, mm. I mean, that's very different to uh, to John Grant. So he's... He wants you to experience pleasure however you want. And, um, yeah, he's, he's, he'll get the sloppy seconds, <laughs> I think. So, anyway, these are our two um, suitors, the first of 2023. Let's go through. Let's, let's do it. What do we got? John Grant and uh, Doc Tyden. John Grant. He has got a good rig. And I was, I was sad to hear that um, in the U.S. version, he's got tidy whities on. Really? Does he? Yeah, they covered that shit up. The buns wow. and the penis? Yeah. Yeah. Covering buns is that's pathological. <laughs> that that's 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 someone who's telling you that they can't stop thinking about buns. Yeah. Wow. Gone. Okay. Wow. So good rig, nice eyes, but uh, nightmarish. Okay. Just yeah, just not just not great. So not strong or yeah, like the whole thing. I don't. I don't want to go on this trip with you. <laughs> and you're going to be really fucked up after this. Okay. So you see, maybe he's got some work to do. You think? Yeah. Maybe come back to him later. Okay. So that's a yeah. Uh, yeah. Creep up. Uh, and what about the creep sweep? What a, oh, <laughs> it's a creeper sweep. So, Wait, so no. On. Come on. I thought he may have been here with a chance. <laughs> no. <laughs> he's a fun guy. He is a fun guy. He is up for anything. That's true. Uh, what a disgust, though. What a wonderful disgust. I think the sweating. The sweating doesn't help. Where'd you get those eyes? Where'd you get them? Won't you put me wide? Don't you die, man. Pay to advertise. Tell them drop me. Where did you get those I think this might be my favourite Donald Pleasance performance. He so he's in Escape from New York, Halloween. Is he in Flight of the Phoenix? Maybe. Uh, he's in a lot of good movies, and he, this is extraordinary. He he just is rubbing this role all over his body, just mm. drinking and being a, a dirty, gross guy, saying the worst stuff. Like maybe the worst thing he does isn't isn't as coarse as everything else. The worst thing he does is. He's he's rude in that he speaks the subtext, so he's very straight, mm. but but to a rude extent. So he's constantly saying, you know, to to um, Grant like you know stuff that like and he and inappropriate stuff as well. So he'll 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 just go he'll just keep hectoring him about 
Jeanette and saying, you mm. know, like yeah. bringing her up and saying, yeah. she's, you know, uh, I want to marry her and people would call her a slut and, yeah. you know, but she's women <laughs> should be able to do what they like. And he's like, what do you think about it? And he's like, I don't know. And he's like, well, you know. <laughs> He's just sweating and licking his lips while he's saying and having it. an outside shower yeah. while he's talking, <laughs> like you know, like. <laughs> and and clothes. He's got pants on. Oh like yeah, no, yeah. so pants on, and you just go, yeah. "That's not a shower." Mm. You know what that is? If I were ever to marry, Janet's the sort of girl I'd like to marry. She likes sex. She likes experiment, and the she likes variety. We thought about getting married once, but neither of us could live with one person for very long. Still, she visits me from time to time when I want her. And when she gets bored with them. What's wrong with a woman taking a man because she feels like it? I really don't know. Because there's nothing wrong with her. Sex is just like eating. It's a thing you do because you have to. Oh, because you want to? But most people are afraid of it. You seem offended by my little discussion of Jeanette. And the circumstances, I thought you'd be interested. What, what does you think of his accent before we leave Pleasance? I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it's quite convincing as an Aussie accent. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're one of these countries that, that is pretty, I think, pretty hard on people about the accent. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, it's a very difficult accent. It is. And he, I thought he, his was like 90 90 90%, 95% good yeah. great yeah. you know um it wasn't to, it wasn't mr prime minister <laughs> yeah. Simpsons, you know oh, no. <laughs> so one one thing i wanted to mention was was the lamps and the and the spotlights and the sun which is like sort of an ever present thing you know you did, like in the in the sort of uh, male, Im- the implied sex scene between the doc and Grant. You've got him, the doc's mm. kind of menacing him with a lamp and, you know, putting the, the, the lamp on him. And then uh, in a lot of the two up games, you see the lamp sort of comes down on the screen. And then whenever he's outside, it's fucking hot and you see the sun beating down on him. Mm. Like, I think that's. Um, Interestingly, some of those images are in the book. Uh, right. Which is not, which oh, is wow. which is great, you know. It's a very cinematic book in that, you know, he throws the coins up and it does mention the explosion of light that he that he stares into and, and things like that. And, and that's why the movie's so beautifully directed is that it's cinematically written in parts. And 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 uh, yeah, absolutely. That, that the 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 blazing sun and and all the lamps and lights mm. are a total um, theme. Yes. Yeah. And also colors like. Kotcheff wanted uh, all the uh, the costumes and the set to be uh, to be warm colors. So people are always wearing oranges and yellows, and mm. there's no there's no cool colors except in one scene, and that's the beach daydream scene mm. where you've got the rolling waves and the chick comes out of the water. Which well, I and Jeanette's wearing green. Mm. Ah. Is her name Jeanette? Is she? Yeah, it is Jeanette. Yeah, she wears green. Ah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. It's got sort of a floral number on as well at one point. Mm. Memory says. Yeah. That's all I can remember in regards to colours. Because yeah, but the seventies was a kind of brown and yellow and orange time, I guess, anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> True. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So, interestingly, so the film comes out... Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Ricky, but the film comes out in 1971 and, you know, to middling business didn't do very well in Australia. People thought it was a little too... Well, they were offended or too close to home or whatever. Kochev reckons the film wasn't really pushed overseas. It had changed title that people didn't really understand. It went yeah. to Cannes uh, and I think it... You know, obviously was well received. He did well. He got nominated yeah. for an award there, Grand yeah. Prix or something, and it was uh, uh, did well in France. And then that was that was it. <laughs> it just just mm. died. The prints were lost and you know used as a bargaining chip in companies folding, and you know it just it was just kicked down the line and all over. And then uh, Kochev tells this amazing story about um, someone. Uh, the was it the editor on the film uh, in his spare time loved the well he loved the film and he thought it was seminal and 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 really great and so he spent 13 years in his spare time when he wasn't working on stuff traveling around the world looking for a print of this movie <laughs> and which is incredible which is beyond yeah. a joke you know what i mean because that's true heroism do you know what i mean like not it's non life-saving heroism in in that it's just like it's such a gift this movie's so amazing so if they found a print allegedly in in pittsburgh or something like that so in america in a warehouse allegedly labeled for destruction so, like soon and i don't know whether they've added that last bit for a bit of mayo but uh <laughs> either way i'm eating it up i'm liking the either mayo. way so then it gets <laughs> then it comes that's only the beginning they find it and then it's a mess so and someone else spends at, at one of the foundation uh, the societies here in Australia the, uh, spends two years frame by frame cleaning up the negative, creating a new negative, and then it comes to where we where at least Ricky and I first saw it uh, in two thousand and nine on the big screen on DVD and and the rest is is history. Uh, so it's sort of like and when it came out it was like a brand new movie, looked mm. great. It was. It just seemed like, and I, I don't know. I got this feeling, you know, when I watched it, and I still have it. This, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted that that we have it, but I'm so annoyed, you know, because there, we had forty years, including my time at uni and everything, where it wasn't around. When clearly it's better than everything else, and we've created the scaffolding now to not make that film. So, you know, because I was just, just thinking about these, this got me thinking about how amazing this movie is and why I love it because usually our films are so dickless, you know what I mean? Like this is a serious piece of art and it's from 50 years ago, but it seems like, uh, yeah, so current, current, so modern, which is why it was remade as a mini series on, uh, you know, because we can't, we could never make something like this now. We have to just remake it. You know, and then uh, the government-fed infrastructure and the ridiculous hoops you need to jump through in this country to uh, are literally literally set up to stop this kind of art being made. So, and the conspiracy is real. So, the left-leaning, self-serving elites who work at the funding bodies, Australian funding bodies, and that's how movies are funded in Australia when they're not. Whereas this movie was made by companies. It's made by an Australian yeah. company and an American company trying to make money. And they made a movie and they didn't have weird bureaucrats looking over their shoulder. Now, Australia can only be bureaucrats. Uh, so basically, you know, um, 
in order to in, in these elites in order to uh protect their positions they spout woke woke nonsense and they preference woke projects and and therefore you know this whole film would never have happened basically they're just trying to ensure that their position is is you know uh safe like they would never hire a canadian director you know mm. to tell an australian story never ever we would never do that and they would they would look at the the, the list of people who worked on it and they'd say you know not <laughs> there needs to be 50 percent women or something and you'd go oh whatever can't can't they just can't it just be the best people to make wake and fright it's like you know so all the decisions that are in place i actually and ricky sent this wonderful uh article about uh, a, a fairly famous theater in melbourne called the malt house theater that put on a one woman show of waking fright so think about that waking fright a one woman show yes and it's just it you know it looked like the wokest thing ever do you know what i mean like like it looked like it was totally drained of everything that made the film great what, what what's most amazing to me is that it got the reviews that it deserved mm. which i was surprised by because most of the time People in this country who review theatre or film are aspiring theatre makers, theatre creators, and 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 filmmakers. And they need so, access. And they need mm. access. So if they rubbish things too much, then their name, you know, gets gets tarnished, and they don't get funding. So absolutely, absolutely. So you know, not not to be a downer, but I think that that. Um, you know, and I'm not going to watch the the, the miniseries. We don't, like, you know, it's one of those cases where you just go, well, "Why, why are you doing this?" Like, um, the, the movie's perfect. It's perfect. Don't change a thing. You know, uh, I, I, I shudder to think of what that miniseries would be like. Mm. Let yeah. alone the one woman show, which I think <laughs> I would have had to bring. Brought, I would have had to have brought rotten fruit to. to, to throw <laughs> why couldn't the one woman show be chick? At the mines, sure, that would be a good one. Great. Like a brand new, a yeah. new work. Yeah, but that's a new thing, though. No, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. why does it have to be based on, like? No, because yeah. they went through this stage of the, where where they were just getting cult movies and stuff and going, oh, Solaris, and then I'd go and see it, and I'd go, and I'd say, I can't wait to see um, what all the women are doing in this one, and then I get like you know, I'd go, oh, I'm going to see. You know, and they'd fuck up anything, no matter what it was. Picnic and Hanging Rock, <laughs> yes. it didn't matter. Yeah. Like, you'd just go and see it and you'd go, oh, my God. And they'd, mm-hmm. they'd just change it and they'd go, they'd look at the, a great story and they'd go, now, how can we make this sexless, <laughs> pious, judgmental, annoying, shit. and very modern? Just shit. Just shit. Yeah, how can we make it shit? And then they did that. <laughs> if I was you, I'd want to be me too. I'd want to be me too. I'd want to be me. Well, let's put this movie on the rack, shall we? First things Ooh. first in the Me Too Meter 2023. Uh, heavens to Bechtel. You know, we're continuing the Bechtel test. If this is your first time tuning in uh, in a while, the Bechtel test is an informal way to evaluate bias against women in films and other media. A work is said to pass the Bechtel test if it, one, has two named women who, two, talk to each other about three something other than a man so two named women who talk to each other about something other than a man so there's only one major female character in this and that's Jeanette and she has no other woman mm. to talk to about um, being a tech CEO or or <laughs> what it, or what it means to be a sassy lawyer or whatever the fuck so 
Um, I think it fails, the Vectal test. Um, so there you go. Uh, so I guess, so I guess, don't watch it. You know, if, <laughs> are, are there only two women in this film? There's Robin in flashback. There's Jeanette, and there's a couple of barmaids and stuff. But you know, right. yeah. then again, we we don't know. We don't hear about their side hustles in in um, marketing. You know, or <laughs> graphic design, graphic design, or how you know, Fashion. or singing, or whatever. So, <laughs> so it doesn't count. So the charge is just a couple uh, because, you know, I don't know. I don't know what you guys can add to uh, this if you like. So, you know, a lost film, uh, they say. Well, we found it. And you know what else we found? The patriarchy. Okay. Another film populated by cishet males. Don't worry. All the major creative roles were also filled by able-bodied men. Uh, This film was teeming with hulking, sweaty men packed cheek by jowl next to each other like beef on the rack and in others uh, engaging in, in, in rough and tumble, uh, their powerful pistons <laughs> working as they grunt and gnash, one body attempting to dominate the other until wet they fall in a heap spent. <laughs> uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Uh <laughs> Anyway, let's have a look at the only women we do meet in the film since Ricky brought it up before. Jeanette, uh, the hotel clerk, whom whom I forgot, and Robin. All of these women are defined (laughs) by their bodies, okay? Robin has her agency removed completely as we see her only in a picture in Grant's, uh, as a picture in Grant's wallet, dressed in a revealing bathing suit. Uh, There she lives in his pocket, like a possession, as all women do. The hotel clerk is seen gently dipping her fingers in water and running her wet fingers across her chest to cool her body. And it is the piggish men who will interpret this as some kind of signal that she's up for it. (laughs) If a woman wants to rub her body orgasmically at at the reception desk of a hotel, you should let her. But if you ask her out, then you best pack your things and lawyer up. Because that's not on. <laughs> and finally, there is Jeanette, who is presented as a bored and complete uh, horn dog slag, who likes to <laughs> screw everyone for something to do, including the grotesque Doc Tyden. If that is indeed her wish, then that is beautiful and empowering, by the way. Doc Tyden, uh, let's talk about Doc Tyden. So, some may say that he preys upon Grant, gaslights him, gets him drunk, and then sodomizes him. Oh. This is just the sort of discrimination we need to address because, in fact, Doc Tyden is a proud member of the LGBT plus community and therefore he should pretty much be able to do whatever he wants whenever he wants. So, that's, that's, what, that's what he should be able to do. And furthermore, just where does this school teacher get off anyway? Being disgusted by a sexual orientation that, you, that you're not interested in is, I don't know, something they did in the Third Reich? Or the clan, probably. If John Grant uh, was a true progressive, then he would let Doc Tyden savagely roger, him, roger his bum bum. After all, <laughs> not engaging in unwanted sex with someone uh, is likely to hurt their feelings. And we, give it up. We can't have that. <laughs> I can't believe you said bum bum. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so I've been listening to that great Eminem song, Just uh, is it Just Lose It, I think. Oh, no, no, no. We've been listening to that, but there's another track on that album where he says that. Uh, Ass Like That is the song. That's right. <laughs> so shout out to Slim. All right. So what? anything to add to this? Because there's, there's a lot going on in the movie, but I just picked out a few choice bits, so... Uh, well, it's a whole other can of worms, but the indigenous representation is, oh, you know, is, is wanting. Mm. It is. Mm. Well, interestingly, I thought it was appropriate for the time. You know, I mean, there's there's a, a, a one guy at the beginning in the train. And oh, there's that's true. A yeah. Stu- yeah. school student, uh, one of the school students. Mm. Um, and and the bar guy at the at the very start where Grant has the school. He's he's married to an Aboriginal. Oh, man. okay. She's yeah, out the back. Sure. I mean, look, mm. I thought, you know, I, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, there could be more. But then again, I'm like, well, it's a, it's not really about that. It's about something else. And uh, whereas now it would 100% be about that and nothing else. So, mm. you know, that's that's pretty much what they would do. So so how does it rate? I, I, I'm getting a feeling it's high. But, you know, with these things, it's, it's, it's either high or it's low and it's confusing. So yeah. yeah, look, I I don't know. I, I like that we created the meter, yet we still don't understand the meter. <laughs> but that is why the meter works. Okay, <laughs> it's because it's sort of like a um, a, 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 a frustration, you know, like <laughs> like why can't the meter just work? Why can't it? Why is it got to mm. be? You know, I'm using this to decide whether I should cancel someone or whether I should, you know, start this. <laughs> start screaming in someone's face when they suggest I watch Indiana Jones or something. So it's like I need to know what to do. And then in this case, you know, on one hand, it's a, it's populated by men, but they're all toxic. But and mm. and that's that's a documentary. That's that's probably what Ricky does all the time. So I think so. so he that. said he could relate. There's no women <laughs> in it, but then that's a problem. But then again, mm. I don't know. I just, I just don't know. I, I, I think it's high because of of Janet's treatment, because something that I just thought of is when she says to her dad, "I'm going for a walk mm. with John here." Like you kind of get a sense that that everyone knows what's what's gonna gonna happen, what's gonna yeah. go down. Yeah, 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 so yeah. that she's just kind of being passed around, and even her dad's kind of cool with it. You know, Passed that Dutch on the left hand side. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I knew, I knew. We all knew. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that is that is troubling. I suppose you know. Um, but she's leading him down there. Oh no, is she? Can that <laughs> and happen? And she stood up to Jack. Honestly, can Jack that happen Thompson? now? Like, like if you if imagine, is there any place in the Western world where you would be able to say, "Oh, well, she led him down." <laughs> imagine yes. that. They well, pe- I'm saying it. Every, I know you are, but <laughs> everyone else would just people would just be like, they'd be like, "Those words don't go together." And you go, "What do you mean?" And it's like she's clearly a hua, and she's taken him down behind the the shed for the shelter shed. <laughs> whatever goes on there. That's right. But you know he he has all the power and privilege, privilege yes. as a white man. He so does, he does he does. Yeah. yeah, look, I don't know. I think I think it's high. I, I'm going to call it. I'm going to say it's high. I'm going to say it's ten. It's full toxic. Yeah, yeah. I could say that. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and, even he finds it to be toxic. And and the and I think it is toxic. And you know because the Guardian people would watch this and they'd say they'd go yes Jack Thompson and all the other people they are toxic and it's terrible but you know. It's um, 
it's also yeah there's no girl bosses in it so that like because that's the thing they 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 can't see that the point of the movie is that it is that you know all those guys are monstrous they would happily destroy the movie by having i don't know who's that chick in ghostbusters remake with the glasses oh that's um Yes. yes, they'd have her in it. They, but they, they would destroy the movie. They go, we want her in it, and she's a the pub owner or something, and she's doing all these quips, and, and she kicks butt. She kicks butt. She kicks butt, and, <laughs> and and they would happily destroy the whole movie for the sake of, you know, of that, you know. So yeah, ten out of ten. Okay, so we're unanimous. Ten out of ten. Oh. Excellent. Bring on Ashley Judd. I am not as nasty as racism, fraud, conflict of interest, homophobia, sexual assault, transphobia, white supremacy, misogyny, ignorance, white privilege. I'd wanna be me too. I'd wanna be me too. I'd wanna be me too. All right, just want to go a quick bit, bit of business, uh, AJ, just quickly. Uh, Boobometer, just get it out of the way quick. No, so quantity <laughs> is not, there's not a lot, but there's enough. No. One, sort of Jeanette. Side boob. There was side boob involved, but did we do see a bit of Jeanette's um, uh, something? She's got something going on. So one one pair. <laughs> quality, uh, modest at best, uh, <laughs> sizing-wise. <laughs> However, this will be a surprise to you. Tan lines. A welcome touch. Mm. Welcome. Very welcome. Oh. I bet you had no idea. I did not. Ricky, tan lines? <laughs> yeah, it's good. It is good. It is good. Chef's kiss. Chef's, Chef's kiss. kiss. Wow. It is good. So in the moonlight setting also lifted the overall score. <laughs> I think so. Full slide whistle. Okay. So yes, that's the boobometer. Uh, people thought... It, they weren't going to hear the boobometer this year. They were like, oh, they went a bit far with that. Well, they haven't gone far enough. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you ready for some reviews? Come on. So I've got some reviews from uh, the day and some reviews from uh, when it was re-released in 2009. So... Um, a review of the Khan premiere in Variety called it a credible effort from the Australian film industry, even allowing for the fact that key technical and acting credits are British. The end result is a forceful glimpse of little-known territory in which the emphasis on, is on booze and violence with a touch of sex for good measure. Julian uh, Hansen of the monthly film Bulletin wrote that Canadian director Ted Kotcheff has captured the mindless brutality of life in the outback with extraordinary, uh, extraordinary facility, yet despite its unmistakable competence, the film's bite is blunted by the script's shallow and largely unmotivated characterization of John Grant and by the loosely knit uh, and over-melodramatic storyline, which never achieves thematic coherence. Oh. So uh, a, a local review for you here, Matt White in uh, the Sydney's Daily Mirror said it will shock and disgust and trigger off tidal waves of indignation from those who still believe our outback, outback is the backbone of the nation. And Sandra Hall in the bulletin said that it's the first film in a long time to tell Australians something worth knowing about themselves and that makes it a landmark. I agree. So uh, Ebert reviewed this in 2009 and said uh, it's not dated, it is powerful, genuinely shocking and rather amazing. It comes billed as a horror film and contains a great deal of horror, but all of the horror is human and brutally realistic. 
Don Groves of SBS gave the film four stars out of five, claiming that Wake and Fright deserves to rank as an Australian classic as it packs enormous emotional force, uh, was bravely and inventively directed and features superb performances. American critic uh, Rex Reed, an early advocate of Wake and Fright, praised the film's restoration as the best movie news of the year and said it may be the greatest Australian film ever made. Correct. Which I agree with. So, trivia next. And uh, Chips Rafferty refused to drink non-alcoholic beer during the filming. He was the only actor to do so. Uh, He said it wouldn't be realistic. Uh, He also told uh, Ted Kotcheff that uh, he said, you concentrate on on the directing, I'll concentrate on the drinking. Uh, The director calculated that Rafferty was drinking up to 30 pints per day. That's amazing. That's a lot. That's a lot of beer. So uh, according to the DVD commentary, the artificial banknotes printed uh, for shooting the two-up scene looked so realistic that two extras were later arrested for trying to pass them off as genuine currency. <laughs> That's Such fantastic. an Australian thing to do, Yeah, hey? definitely. And just on that two-up scene, all the blokes in there are from a two-up den in Sydney that Ted Kotcheff went to. Amazing. And, oh, wow. And he got them all. Even the guys running it are the guys that run it. Amazing. In real life. Wow. Simmer down, boys. Settle down. When you're right, Charlie, now. Come on. When you're ready, Chaff. When you're ready. There you go. There you go. So during an early Australian screening, one man stood up, pointed at the screen and protested, that's not us, to which Jack Thompson yelled back, sit down, mate, it is us. Simple retort. Good on you, Jack. Yeah. (laughs) So the scene where John is eating the steak and Doc is drinking and following the two-up game was apparently a nightmare to edit because Donald Pleasance kept switching which hand he held the beer with. So he wanted to cut between takes. And I think if you look closely, there is one cut where it swaps. So, <laughs> mm. uh, We mentioned the accent and the Australian crew were, uh, were hugely impressed by uh, Donald Pleasant's Aussie accent. Um, and my, I've got okay, two more pieces of trivia here. Wake and Fright was the last film to feature the veteran character actor Chips Rafferty, who died of a heart attack prior to the film's release, and the first film uh, with Jack Thompson, who went on to be, you know, quite a well-known Australian star. Chips wasn't a health uh, nut, by the sound of it. <laughs> no. Thirty points. Ain't no thing. So, uh, musically, the primary instrument featured in John Scott's opening score is the Ons Matano, which is an early electronic keyboard instrument from France with a sound comparable to a theremin. And uh, now, the now disgraced Australian musician and painter, Rolf Harris, was the film's musical advisor. Hey. Timey kangaroo down. Yep. Sport. Mm. The mm. score does feature a little bit of wobble board, so that was a Rolf Harris thing. Well, that makes it scarier <laughs> that Rolf was involved, yeah. eh? Yeah. Mm. For overseas listeners, Rolf Harris is sort of our Bill Cosby. Same stuff. Same sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, that's great trivia. Mm. That's really good. It's too good. Mm. What, a, what, a, what, a, what a bumper episode, if I do yes. say so mm. myself. So what's on the cards for... We continue our week. exploration of uh, this fine country... Uh, to 1985's Fortress. Now, I'm not talking about the Christopher Lambert movie. Yeah, I 
remember that. I watched that when I was way too little. I guarantee you we'll be doing that movie on this podcast, <laughs> just not currently. Uh, Fortress is from 1985. It stars Rachel Ward. It's written by Everett DeRoche, uh, who did, I think, Patrick and... Um, uh, goodness me. Long Weekend. And Two good films. Yes. And, yeah, I, I can't wait for you guys to see it. So, it's, um, yeah, I saw this when I was a kid. And, yeah, it made quite an impression. Oh. All right. Nice. So, get wow. ready. <laughs> well, we said what we said. Oh. Yeah. Baby dicks and all. Baby dicks. <laughs> I think I said something about, like, LGBT. Bum bums. Yeah. <laughs> We insulted our American listeners. Just a, just the usual. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, long live the new flesh. Long live the new flesh. I can't believe you said bomb bomb. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>